When I hear the word politics, it makes me feel conflicted. On one hand, I'm so grateful to live in a representative democracy, and I hope that more and more people in our country are able to make their voices heard at the national, state, and local level. On the other hand, I feel like public discourse about politics can be really negative and really polarizing and it turns me off so I have mixed feelings about politics. When I hear the word politics I feel sad, apathetic, rage. When I hear the word politics it makes me feel betrayed because Politicians are supposed to represent the people and work for the people and are paid by the people. And I think that most politicians have forgotten that and have betrayed the people in favor of big corporations and industries and the game that is politics. When I hear the word politics, I feel divided, and then, like I need to find a creative way to be able to discuss quote-unquote politics with friends, family, strangers, so that they feel comfortable, they know their voice is heard, respected, and that their views are important, regardless of which side of the fence they fall on. When I hear the word politics, it makes me feel discouraged. Discouraged because I've lost a lot of trust in our politicians. I don't know what their motives are anymore, and I don't have a lot of faith that there will be unity between the two parties anytime soon. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging empowering, and, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Third Place Podcast. Welcome, friends. Last episode, we talked about how to have difficult conversations. So we thought we'd lighten it up a little bit and talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> no? I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> oh, man. that You caught me off left field. That's hilarious. That's a David joke right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, politics. Woohoo! Right. And you know, the the thing, the really, I don't know, funny is not exactly the right word, but uh, irony, maybe. The irony of today in our episode is I'm really looking forward to this talk. Like, I think politics causes us so much tension for so many people. And 
you know, we were just talking right before we got on to record how stressful it is right now. It's like, it's all the things I'm trying to, we're, we've just hired a couple new team members. We're getting ready to move our business and have meetings for that. I have all these new accounts that we've been having meetings with. Um, I still have a one and three year old and every morning I wake up and I'm tired before the day even begins and just like all the stresses. And just now I'm like, Oh, right. And I'm, <laughs> I have all this tension, like just as a nation, we're just carrying so much tension right now around politics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, David knows that I do not share the same sentiment around uh, looking forward to this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but a lot of that comes with that. I, my insecurities come up like our conversation that we had around insecurity in a previous episode. Uh, the way that I approach politics always come, comes from intuition. And so I get insecure because I, I tend to actually completely avoid the news. I, and so I feel like I'm undereducated and I feel like it's a topic that of all, it's like everyone is being asked to have a strong opinion in one way or another. And I so often feel like my opinion flip flops or it's by the moment or it's just purely a gut response to something. And that has always made me feel like I having conversations around politics that I'm not coming prepared to to sit on one side or the other. And that's why I love the third place and why it's the work that we like to do is because so much of my truth really does lie in that in between. And I and while some think that I come off as fair weather, for me I just feel like I can absorb so many perspectives and uh, I lead with empathy and, and usually too much information just confuses me more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that I would say I'm finding, I'm definitely finding myself more engaged over this past five years and it's been out of frustration Mm. and kind of like the beautifully angry. Like I'd find myself becoming angry and therefore that's for me, something that triggers more engagement, not less. Although yeah, I would say too, though, that it's not that I was ever disengaged in politics. It's just, I'm just much more engaged, but there is something like, I think there's a beauty in trying to avoid the news. There's a beauty in like, that's a rest type boundary. And I know for like productivity blogs I've read in the past, they, they say like, don't read the news first thing in the morning. And right now I'm definitely not doing mm-hmm. that. So there's some good that is in that space. It's just, where I find myself is, um, you know, through coffee, uh, coffee's just grown around the world, right? And that work has brought me more and more into lots of different cultures and how we all approach coffee, how we all drink coffee, how we all consume coffee, and, and so many cultures do it differently. And and because it's, it's such a global culture drink and there's so many different approaches to it, it also brings me into some conversations a little bit more on the race and minority issues that we're dealing with right. in, in our country. And I, there's not really, it's not a comfortable thing for me to acknowledge, but sometimes disengagement is a subtle form of privilege. Right. Like right. I've been able to be disengaged because frankly, my life has not looked all that much different no matter which party is in control. If the president's a Democrat or if a Republican or the, the Congress or whatever, overall, my life has grown. My business has grown. My right. life has gotten better and better and better. And uh, I mean, I don't know how, how else to say it, but over the last four years, especially if you're a minority, your life has not gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
make America great again is not a phrase that they can connect with because it's not something that's great. And and so part of my engagement is also as I've continued to be waking up to points of privilege in my life. That's part of why I find myself being engaged some right now. And I'm, I do want to clarify, like, I'm not trying to knock anybody else down that's engaged. Or if you're thinking of voting for a third party, I'm not trying to criticize that. But it's just as I've kind of been on my journey, I'm seeing all these super subtle versions of privilege that keep creeping up. And I'm trying to figure out, well, you know, what do I do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even just to go back to the news conversation, I may not watch, you know, conventional news, but at in the world that we're in now, I'm getting news fed to me in every angle regardless. So, and it's, it's serving what I like on um, TikTok even like, it's crazy how it, it's that there is a lot that's still funneling towards, uh, towards me regardless. Um, and to me, it's not that I don't even want to be disengaged because I do vote and I see the importance in that. I don't know why I see the importance. Like, really, when I think about it, I'm like, I just like I remember when I turned 18, it was just like there to me, there was no like other option. Right. Um, I'm I'd love to unpack that at some point someday another time with you. But like, it is funny how that just to me felt like oh, this is just what we should do. And so I do, I do engage in it in that way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love how we're talking about that politics is a good word. And I think that that first came up when you and I started to talk about like, like what is politics? Like what, what's the actual foundation or intention behind politics? What does the word even mean? And can we go back to that foundation and reframe it a little bit in this time just to uh, give a little bit of ease and something that's clearly so uncomfortable for for many including myself right yeah I without question today I mean most people that I engage with like if you bring up the word politics it's not something that stirs up warm and fuzzies inside a lot of you know what we heard is a lot of lost trust yeah Right. So it's become this bad word. And I do think that it is so important to get back to the root. I did some research to prepare and the word comes from a Latin word polis, which is the word for city. Mm -hmm. And so politics is just a large group of people learning how to live together. And I think that that's one of the things that I find so frustrating is like it it has become this bad word, but it's not supposed to be. And politics is everywhere and and when it works really well we don't see it uh politics is in our jobs like what does it you know that's why we have hr uh Mm -hmm. people in our company right it's it's figuring out what working together looks like it's in our social circles our communities um religious organizations it's even in our families like beth and i at the beginning of the marriage she says I don't like taking out trash. I don't ever want to take out the trash. I will clean the bathroom if you take out the trash. I'm like, okay, oh my gosh. deal. <laughs> so that's politics working. So, um, you know, it, it's figuring out how to do this together. And and there's, again, politics in its purest form is exactly the third place. Yeah. It's coming together with different perspectives, different needs, and making collective decisions that empower everybody involved. 
Well, what's what I hear you saying though too is when you said that politics, you know, city and um, what was it together or people? So it's like mm-hmm. how people to me all you're saying it's just how we relate with each other, how we connect, mm-hmm. and I think that. Right now, most people would feel like relationship and connection is completely absent in the conversation around politics or not completely absent, but definitely a pain point. And so, so like, it's just like, how can, how can we, how can we reconnect, um, and get things in, in a more fluid way? Right. Yeah. Not completely absent. It is actually destroying relationships or hurting relationships. Right. So the opposite of absent. Mm. So, well, I think that for me, it, like, it's it's always like, how do we deconstruct all this? And at the purest form. So that's why the word in its purest form I th- is really good. Learning how to live together is really good. And I think where we see politics work really well is when it is in the background. When we turn on our faucet and we get clean drinking water, that's a version of politics. When we drive over bridges, our political system is what's designed to make sure those bridges are being tested on a regular basis, that they're safe, and that they're maintained. And we don't even see the bridges anymore. You know, All the bridges that we drive over every day are functioning, and it's because politics is working. Um, so right now, all the things that we... There's so much that isn't working, and that's why I think politics is really just so tense. But to take that word, I think one of the other things that I find personally frustrating is so many words are just completely being thrown around right now that I think they've lost their meaning. Like, Mm. uh, you know, I grew up conservative and I'm finding myself on the liberal side of many issues today. Although there, there's a value in both, right? I think that that's a thing that makes me sad is we've not, we've lost that. But words like, oh, well, you're just a socialist keep being thrown around. And I'm like, do you even know, do we even know what that means anymore? Because the reality is, you know, our system is capitalist, but it is also a blend of socialism already. Like social security is taking care of our elderly. And it's a collective group of people through the government to make sure that we have things uh, when we get older. Right. So it's already a blend of social issues. And um, I was listening to another podcast that specializes in politics and they they were referring to the history of social security. And even then, the conservative groups that were against social security is were saying, oh, this is socialism. This is socialism. Well, here we are so many years later that we don't think of social security as a version of socialism, but it's it's a blend of the two. I think it's it goes back to that you can be both and that's a lot of my frustration with it is just like what I said in the beginning it's like I feel like especially when it comes to the topic of politics we're being asked to be one or the other when mm-hmm. there's just such a spectrum and you know David knows I've been talking about Brené Brown's Braving the Wilderness book for the last couple weeks like obsessively every day (laughs) um it just touches on so much of this and i encourage all of you to listen to it it's a really short audiobook but she talks about like it's just you can hear something about one side of the of a topic or of a perspective and it can be true to you but also the opposite can represent true to you as well like one of the examples she she brought up was like, okay, maybe 
um, a, a typical stereotype of uh, a Republican may be that they are um, very greedy. I don't know. I don't think that's exactly what she said. But then you have this example of someone that you know that is Republican and it exudes the total opposite. So it's like, it's it's just there's so many exceptions to this desire to try to make it so polarized and divisive when in actuality, what if we could try and revisit the spectrum? And I think that's really hard in a two-party system. Right. Right. Well, and that that is the thing, right? And again, we're going back to the root ideas of what the third place is, is you're bringing your perspective and I'm bringing my perspective and they both have value. Right. Right. So what, what was that? Um, what was that park story? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, well, I was having a conversation a, around politics, um, you know, conversation. It was, it was an argument and <laughs> and it was about politics and it was about COVID and it was just about like, you know, all the things and they boiled up and, you know, and a lot of the conservative perspective is, is uh limited government. Like how do we get this thing to be less and less and less? And there's definitely lots of me that agrees with some of those ideas. Like at some point, like, let me do what I want to do, use the money that I've uh, worked for so that I can be a blessing to others. That's definitely, mm. you know, I think, I know that that's the perspective for sure of the person I was having the argument with. So, um, you know, I just want the government out of my life. But to me, there was some an irony is there's only so much less you can do. At some point, we do need government for some things. And the the to me, the irony of that particular moment in time and that argument was we were in a city park, which was built when I was a kid. And someone's land was purchased by a collective pool of people that people voted for. And maybe someone, maybe like, I don't know how many homes were needed to make this park. Um, it was kind of in a rural area, but there was definitely some land that was purchased and homes that were um, required. So maybe nine out of the 10 homes said yes, but there might have been one that said no. There was some negotiation and there was some version of force to make this park happen. And now today the park is gorgeous and tons of people use it. But that's politics. Like, that's mm. how it works. And, you know, if there was someone that's home had to be purchased and they didn't want to move, I don't know. I don't know what emotions I have for that. Like, obviously, that's there's some sadness and frustration in that story if that were the case. But the collective whole is is definitely benefiting because the government did something for the people. Do you think that most people, because I think that I'm one of them, that when we're talking about this, I just feel like I don't even make the connection to so much of how I operate in the world to being a result of politics. And so that's what like, I feel like is such a gift to this conversation for me even was when you acknowledged that. Um, but just also that does feel like privilege, like you're just operating and you don't even slow down to take note of why we can be so um efficiently <laughs> efficient in our, the way that we we lead our lives mm -hmm. i just wouldn't have even made that connection and i think that that to me does feel like a breath of fresh air where it's like oh cool like that that feels like something that i would want to lean in more especially in my backyard i mean i i connect to it the most having worked in natural foods for a dozen years I remember always feeling like the organic food movement 
was, um, that's politics right there. Right. And it was, we would say, you know, you're voting with your dollars. Like, do you want right. to, do you want to spend, um, money on healthcare later or do you want to spend money on your body now by choosing and, and, you know, when there's more demand for organic, then there will be more organic farmers. And so like, that was something that I felt like I could really connect with and, and was, and still is, I vote with my dollars in regards to organic foods and just slow foods, good foods, local foods as a whole. Um, right. That's a great, a great example as well of what politics is. Thank you for, for bringing that up. That like that label comes from an organization, right? Organic comes from something. And that's like sort of, I'd say the consumer just trusts that, right? Right. So where's that trust come from? You know, that FDA does do work to just make sure food is healthy. Now we have maybe different definitions and frustrations. Like I wish there was stricter that food too. laws, that right? Too. Like well, what, one of the things that we, we talk, we give coffee roasting tours um, uh, every Saturday morning and, and occasionally I'll lead one or I'll lead a group of people at the roastery. And, and a common question that we'll ask is like, Hey, is your coffee fair trade certified or is it organic certified? And some of our coffees are, but our primary direct trade relationship is not. And I don't want it to be because those certifications cost money. And I know the farmer. I've been to the farm. I know she uses organic practices. So basically now I'm asking our consumers to trust me uh, to be that certification check. Mm. But the reason why I don't want that uh, certification to happen is those things cost money. And the projects that we're working on right now are how do we help build a school? How do, she, what she already has done. The next project, how do we build a computer lab? Well, before I can do that, I need to build solar panels. So I do not want the money to go to a certification. I want it to go to solar panels. Um, so that's a driving factor. But again, it's a, there's has to be some trust uh, built to even get there. But the other component of that, and this is really just so frustrating, in our labeling laws are just so loose. To be fairly, to be certified organic on the global stage, the product is actually only uh, requires that to get that label. Only twenty percent of the product is is certified fair trade. Now, hopefully, it's a hundred percent, but wow. it's the global standard is twenty percent. And unfortunately, it gets worse because in the U.S. we always change it, make our own rules to get that label on the side of a bag in the U.S. is only ten percent. So us as the consumer assume that that label means 100% of that product yeah. has been fairly traded. Right. And, and again, hopefully it has been, but it only is required that 10% minimum has been fairly traded. And, and that's why the relationship is so important in the coffee sector. And that's why yeah, I, I don't put a lot of weight into it. Like same thing, Colombian coffee. Only 10% has to be Colombian coffee for it to have a label that says Colombian coffee. And if it does say Colombian coffee, it's very likely that 10% is from Colombia and 90% is from other parts of the world, Vietnam probably. Mm. If it says 100% Colombian, then it is 100% Colombian, but it has to say specifically 100% Colombian. But again, I, I maybe know too much. Even that's not true because... <laughs> The farm that we work with in Honduras, the the low-grade quality coffee gets shipped to Colombia so that it be, can be exported from Colombia and then be considered Colombian coffee. Mm. So how messed up is all that? 
So that's why I'm like, come on, <laughs> politics, step up. Like you're the one that's supposed to make sure all this is working and that the labels and the products that we buy is actually what we think we're buying. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it makes me think of a lot of the emerging brands that I've worked with in the natural foods and just how oftentimes the consumer, like they, if they, if it says organic on it, like we were talking about, then that product is deemed holy. Right. When in actuality, there are certain things where it's like, maybe you didn't know, like the, like the, um, orange juice, like when they started to say not from concentrate, people were like, this was from concentrate. I didn't even know that. And that sort of, um, approach, uh, is taken across so many different categories of food that the consumer would never even know. But I want small little brands to make it. And if they can't put everything on their label, then I also love that. And I and I can see that the FDA wouldn't be able to regulate every single label going out if there is some desire to also push small brands. But for the most part, I'd say small brands have, have a tough go at it. So I don't know the answer to any of what you just said. And I, <laughs> I, I've, you know, I'm familiar with that pain point, too, and... I think that hopefully someone listening even just got to learn a little bit and that that'd be my hope for yeah for that side. And that I think again like so that's a problem and I wish we could figure out how to address it. And and in order to do that we need politics to to step up, right? Yeah. So for me I think what's important about this episode is I just think it's so important to reframe politics as a good word like the title says. And I think one of the other truths that is really grounding me in this conversation that I just think is so, so important is, and I don't, it's definitely a journey to get there and I don't know how to get there and we just keep fighting the fight, but can we get back to a place where, or, or maybe not back to, can we get to a place where we can be empathetic and realize then that when one of us hurts, when any one of us hurts, we all hurt. Yeah, and I think you're what you're talking about is, you know, humanizing it again and even just how can we how can we perceive those in politics or those that disagree with us at the Thanksgiving dinner table or those whatever it may be, whatever could trigger you or or our percep- perception of this. How can we remember that everyone is is human and that those that have been raised in different ways to us and have different levels of privilege or lack thereof, it, it really just comes down to that, you know, the word politics was like about relationship and connecting with humans. And I like to think of it in a much a global, if not universal, very spiritual perspective. That's my, that's my approach. And I really do believe that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. Yeah. That humanizing conversation, I think, is is so critical. Um, I've been trying to think through how I want to talk like, you know, okay, so we have this podcast. It's about, hey, bring your perspective, bring my perspective. The middle ground is safe to do so. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, even in this episode... But I do not approve of our president's behavior. I don't approve of Donald Trump. Um, and and I'm like, but that's not the third place, is it? Right? Like, because there are people that are clearly for that. And they're, well, and I think the key is, like, for me, as I've, the humanizing helps me think through that. Because while I'm not a fan of his policies and his behaviors, 
it is important to recognize the humanness. Like, I don't think I don't want to call him a name. And I think that that's also why I'm, I'm so frustrated. And I think it's okay for me to say out loud on a podcast that's about finding the common ground to say I'm not a fan of his because that's the behavior that he has is so bullying. Um, when if someone disagrees with him, they just get called a name. And so the behavior of Donald Trump in the space of the third place, I think it's okay to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just take the behavior. I mean, people keep saying, you know, last election and then now this election, like choosing the lesser of the two evils. Right. And I mean, the, the presidential debate debate is a perfect example of this where I could not watch it because I was so sickened by how Mm -hmm. dehumanizing they were to each other. Right. Right. So, and you know, you could say whatever, but like when you go back to it, I'm like, so if I don't agree with the way that Trump's dehumanizing behavior, then I also don't agree with Biden's dehumanizing behavior. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, what if we can, if you don't agree with that from one side, then I challenge you to not agree with that same behavior on the other side. And to be able to acknowledge that and instead of just having to be right and steadfast and how can we just be kinder to one another. And I think that that's why I have a hard time with, you know, our current, president is because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, our interview that we have after this with David is going to touch on so much and it's amazing. I can't wait for everyone to hear next week's, but, uh, he, he does, he talks about just like that. It just comes back to like, just being good to one another. And I think that it, it could be as simple as that. And a lot of people are voting for just that, not even on the policies or anything a lot of people are voting for one different reason i think mine really is about human behavior right yeah and so you know to talk about how can you have humanizing conversations with those that are um opposing to you i go back to the beginner's mind and i go back to how can we have curious conversations how can we instead of especially me something i'm working on instead of feeling like i have to have an opinion that's something what if i can just sit and be curious and ask for more on that person's opinion and not hold it to be um a threat or intimidating or anything and not that i have to make it my own but instead that i could just come from a place of like i just i'd love to hear more and i'd love to explore more of that that ain't easy yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I think that last week's interview with Dear White Women even was a step in that. Right. I learned so much about race that I didn't know. And I've been I I have been able to uh, form so many more relationships that, with people that don't look like me uh, over the last several years. So, like, I, I see personal progress. It's been hard. And it's it's that curious mind is a great way to say it. I've been curious, but even then, like last week's interview, I just, I still was able to learn so much and so many different perspectives. And, you know, I think Masasha was said that I just want my kids to be able to walk out and know that they're going to come back home and not get hurt because of the way that they look. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that feeling feels like. And I will never know what that feeling feels like, but it's really helpful for a person uh, that we interviewed that, that to say that out loud because it's like you can hear it like yeah you say that but it was someone that we quickly could call a friend to say that that's a fear that she has and i've never had to have that feeling before Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I tend to take the perspective too that I like I uh, trust you before I don't and I think a little bit of that would serve maybe all of us is just that I don't know just seeing people as innately good, good yeah. um, and that maybe if that became even if it was like a, just a taste of that truth that we would make decisions in with that in mind mm-hmm. and that just sounds like peace giving to me yeah well and trust I, I mean it's definitely a boundary thing right you know your trust can be hurt and broken but I think trust is what begins to help us be allies with one another and maybe we can just end here and just kind of rest with that you know what does it look like to truly be allies for people you know even if we disagree we're still in this together i think you know what historically has been with politics and you see it like with john mccain's death uh, a couple years ago people from both sides came together and while they disagreed on policy everyone was for making america better right and i think like we can disagree with policy we can disagree with things but we are all on the same page so i actually found this quote that i I wanted to share um it was uh from abraham lincoln when he accepted his presidency and it's like right before the civil war so he's trying to hold everything together but uh he said we are not enemies but friends we must not be enemies Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. Love it. You know, I mean, again, like, I have never thought about what you said, but even that sentence and what you said earlier, this is really spiritual, and we're all just so connected. And may the angels within us win. Mm. Uh, well, I'm glad that this conversation's over. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for, you know, giving me the the safe space to be able to have a conversation about something that makes me feel so uncomfortable. So thank you, David. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope that you, too, have a friend or an ally or a family member that you can uh, be as raw and authentic with as well. Yeah. Be well.